Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You are listening to Achten Millwall. Listening to Achtung Millwall Emergency Broadcasting Special, a public service broadcast made on behalf of the Real Millwall Fan Show and Achtung Millwall, broadcasting from South Bermondsey. Well, good evening, dear listeners. Welcome to um, it's actually a special request show. This this show has been requested by Fleur Sharman. Thank you, Fleur, for making this very well pitched request. Um, she asked for a a review show like we did the other day on the YouTube, the 70s YouTube show. Um, she asked if we could do a similar thing for the two classic Sheffield Wednesday games in 1990. And I've added in, just for good measure, a 1992 fixture um, where we played Notts County. Joining me to review this historic footage is our most millennial of panellists. Good to have him back. The king of the Millwall blog. It's Ryan Loftus. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Good lockdown evening, everybody. Um, looking forward to this. A nice step back down memory lane. Well, not memory lane, but into the past for me, you know. Before bit, you were, good, good chance to see 90s football in action. Before you were conceived, I dare say, Mr Loftus. There we are. Mm. Um, also joining us is a slightly longer in the tooth um, fixture on our, on our panel. Um, welcome back to the show. And we haven't, we haven't spoken for a little while, so it's nice to talk to Michael Avery. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you for having me back, Nick. Hello, Ryan. Hello, everyone. Lockdown is lifted. We know what that means. The club shop will be open soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's, that's, uh, we're, we're speaking on the day that um, Project Restarts is kind of spitting and, and spluttering into some kind of life. The, 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 the Bundesliga, I believe, returns this weekend. Ryan, I believe it's back... Um, Behind closed doors over the weekend, am I right? Yeah, back on full package. It's uh should be a good run. All the tea. Pick out the uh the uh Schalke Borussia Dortmund game. If anyone watch it, the big derby Bayern Munich on the Sunday should be good. I know. Mm. What... I'm just um I'm just I'm just hoping that Bayern Munich have got the uh cut out of Harry Warren that we sent them <laughs> to, to put in the stands. I think he's going in goal actually, Michael. Uh, I, no. I think I think I think H should the cutouts of H should be surrounding the um this is the the the, uh, the left wing team the everyone the brown shirted team the one that uh, Hamburg what do I call them um, Hamburg 
No, no, not the Hamburg. There's another team in Hamburg. I can't think of their name now. Um, there's there's a trendy like the Dulwich Hamlet crowd. Oh, support. Um, they, I think Harry's Harry should populate their stadium and uh, you know around the crash and the and the various right on sections of the grounds with loads of little cutouts of Harry in a replica. Um, whatever the team's name, shirt it's gone from my mind. Listeners will correct me, no doubt. But I digress, dear listeners. Um, we are going to look back. We, we, Bundesliga, Schmundesliga. We're going to be looking back to the classic days of Cold Blow Lane. Ryan Loftus, this is a this is a ground and a half, um, and the first of our um, games that um, Fleur has asked us to review is a wonderful game. I was there this day. Um, Mill four, Sheffield Wednesday two played on the twenty tenth of October nineteen ninety in the old Division two at Colblow Lane. Um, it's actually a decent piece of footage on YouTube. I will be sending out links to the games and I'll, I'll turn the sound off my phone so I'm just going to let it run now whilst whilst we talk um wonderful footage Ryan did you ever get a chance to have a, have a look at the yeah YouTube was, footage uh, I had to watch it a couple of times because I was a bit confused by it because I, I think it showed footage of a mill team coming from 2-0 down to win a game rather than going from 2-0 up and losing it so I was absolutely it was a hope wonderful yeah, it was good, good footage highlight reel you know uh, it was interesting to see. I've not seen many games of the Coblo Lane, um, you know, games at the, at the old den. So it was uh, it was nice to see, get a little trip down memory lane like that. It looks very different. I mean, obviously it's shot in um, <clears throat> old school video. Mike, did I, I might have asked you this before. Did you ever get a chance to go to Coblo Lane, or did it did it did you just catch the end of it at all? Um, I did catch the end of it. I was I was born in '86, so um, I was just. Um... I was just old enough to start going, luckily, after we'd been relegated from the first division. So I missed all of that. Um, yeah. But but no, I, I remember the old den vividly. And I'll, I'll tell you what, funny thing you say about the uh, the camera quality and like the sort of video quality. One, My actual first notes, I made some notes on this when I first watched it. I actually thought did the opening 20, 30 seconds. I'm not sure whether whoever was filming sort of was on, was on speed or something like that. But it's very 100 <laughs> miles an hour. The way the camera's moving around, isn't it? Someone asked on Twitter the other day, what was the first World Cup you remember? And I, the first World Cup that I remember was 1974. And the reason it stands out in my mind is my dad bought our very first colour telly um, so that we could watch the, the World Cup, which was being played in West Germany in 1974. And I remember he put this huge uh, roof aerial. We had a house in Mottingham on the, on the estate there. <clears throat> and he put a roof aerial, which is pointed directly at Crystal Palace. So I'm sure... If I, if I saw the picture now, it would look like this this footage here on, on YouTube. At the time, it seemed like it was razor sharp, almost, um, you know, 625 lines with a razor sharp HD level, as it would have seemed to me then. But I think if I was to magically be transported back to those times, it would look very much like um, the, uh, the the footage that we're looking at here of, of, of the uh, 4-2 win. It's um, it's amazing how your standards of, of TV imagery <laughs> You could just take it for granted now. You just take uh, as a matter of fact that you're going to get HD images from anywhere in the world now. It's it's quite incredible. Um, yeah, yeah. But very, very, uh, very few now. Do you see the sort of blurry line at the bottom of the screen no. where the guess was a bit grubby? Back then, HD was impossible from New Cross, let alone anywhere outside the country. <laughs> so, uh, but this is this is this is a wonderful match. Um, Managed by Bruce Riock at the time, and I don't know if either of you chaps have 
had a chance to listen to um, the indoors interview that I did the other day. Um, he's, he actually plays in this this team, um, I believe, in, in in both all three of these games, Dorsey. Um, he was for a mild mannered bloke. He was quite um, un, unimpressed with um, with with, uh, with Bruce Rioch, um who apparently had a, a kind of a militaristic sergeant major style of approach. No jeans, blazers shirts and ties type of approach. I was going to say, with, with Ian Dawes, watching these videos back again, yeah. I mean, I, I sort of grew up with, with, with Ian Dawes as the sort of mill fullback. You sort of half forget how good he was, don't you? And I know that I know that you said in your description to your interviews with him and your tweet you put out, you know, he was probably one of your favourite fullbacks to play or probably one of your favourite players or one of the best players you saw in that position. But Absolutely, he's, yeah. He really was a good player, wasn't he? And, you know... Um, Watching this reminds you just how sort of lucky we was to have him at the time, really. Yeah, I mean this this, this era of Millwall. I'm mean, just looking at the footage playing as as we're speaking. It was Rioch was although he might he was a very odd combination of a man because he had this stern sergeant major style, um, brush your hair, brush your teeth, tight you know straighten your tie boy kind of approach. Yet the football we played was the first time really I think that I saw a Millwall side actually play the ball around with something like. Um, a modern passing style, you know, we've, we've always been a fairly direct side and, you know, certainly in the first division days, it was Cascarino and Sherring, I mean, get the ball forwards. Um, and I'm interested to hear Ryan's takes. You, you, you are an analyst, Ryan. You are a, 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 a football analyst of the future. And it's interesting to watch this old school because this was quite um, attractive football that we were watching at the time. It felt that way very much. Uh, that did stand out to me. There's there's quite a few, I think, across three of the clips we've watched, but especially in this uh, the 4-2 one against Wednesday, there's yeah. quite a, ni- a few nice passages of play, nice passing moves. Like You do get to see a bit of, uh, obviously, they're only short highlights, so you can't see the full games, but you do get to see a bit of doors going forward and pushing pushing on, you know, it's the sort of left we could probably do with now. Um, yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's interesting. Like you say, like I was surprised at the lack of, Balls going into the box. One in this 4-2, and I've got it running as well at the same time. And I think in the the Notts County one that we're going to watch later on, the um, Malcolm Allen stands out to me as a really skillful player. He, I've, he's not someone I don't think I've registered before. I think I've, I, I recognise most of the names when he sent over the team sheets. Yeah, but he was one I just didn't really recognise. And I'm watching these games. He gets a handful of goals in all of these and some of the skills or, you know, he looks very good on the ball, beating players and dribbling past them. I mean, I wonder what, what do you think of him at the time? Was he a player that stood out like that or is it just these, are these just beneficial clips for him? No, no, no. He's a very good player. Um, he joined us. Um, I think it was the season we were relegated. It might've been at the very end of the first division, uh, 89, 90. Um, we'd lost Cascarino at the end of the, the second year in the first division. He'd moved on to Chelsea and, uh, 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 no, sorry, Villa, sorry. But he would go on to other other clubs. Um, and Malcolm Allen came to us from Norwich. And at the time, in the first division days, Norwich had a bit of a reputation of being a footballing side, a team that played the ball around. And a bit like, you know, this kind of myth of the West Ham way, you know, that there was there was a, an idea that Norwich played attractive sunshine football. And Malcolm Allen was very much part of um, the Norwich team. I, I mean, I, I was he came to us. I was, I was slightly surprised when he came to us because I always thought of him as being part of this, um, you know, not, not your kind of classic mill player in, in many respects. But um, he certainly um, was a good finish of the ball. He was skillful on the ball. 
And um, it was a great signing and very well thought of. Um, it might suit to actually read out the team because we're managed by Bruce Riock, who, as much as we damn Bruce Riock for his um, stern style, was a very good judge of a player. And he brought, um, you know, kind of players in that fitted together very well. He, he had a... He had both an old-fashioned quality and a modern quality in one man. It was quite weird, really. Um, so, but the middle team this day is uh, Keith Brannigan in goal. And we've got um, Keith Stevens, Ian Dawes, uh, Gary Waddock, Stevie Wood, still one of the um, first division side. Adam McCleary, um, the defender from the first division days, and we'll go on to manage along with Rhino later in, in the, um, you know, the third division. Uh, Jimmy Carter, Malcolm Allen, Teddy Sheringham, Alex Ray and Kevin O'Callaghan. And then substitutes Paul Stevenson and Tony McCarthy, I believe. No, it might be Mick McCarthy. It might be Mick McCarthy, sorry, um, on the bench. Um, an attractive side. And it was it was an interesting uh, game to look at, really, because um, obviously we went 2-0 down fairly early in the game. Two goals from David Hurst, who's an interesting striker for for Sheffield Wednesday in the 14th minute and the 16th minute and actually missed a few other chances in the first half to probably put the game out of sight. Three or four nil could have been by, the, by half time. It was, a, it was an open game. Um, a lot of chances, Michael. A lot of, you know, a lot of opportunities for both yeah. sides. Yeah, Mill. and the funny thing you were saying, like, Mill will probably, uh, probably deserve, uh, you know, sort of deserve to get back in it and everything like that. But I'll, I'll, the thing that struck me with the first few minutes is just how well, and I know this is obviously a sort of highlights video, so, you know, you're not going to put yeah. in the, ones that go 30 yards wide. But, you know, what struck me with, and t- touching on about how, how sort of, um, how good these teams were back then and all the, the pace of the game, I, th- I thought it was so fast paced, especially from Sheffield Wednesday in the early stages. Very, a lot of one-touch football, a lot of two-touch football. And even when they had the, uh, even had the free kick from outside the box, you know, there was the sort of step over, which not many teams at that time did. And he curled it and it hit the bar. And you think, well, that that whole build up with the dummy and the curling it that that wouldn't look out of place in today's game and this was what thirty years ago. Yeah, it's, it's interesting you say thirty years ago. It doesn't seem that long ago to me. It seems kind of relatively recent, but it is thirty years ago. You're correct. Um, almost thirty years. Um, it, and it's it's interesting. I mean, when you look at the Sheffield Wednesday side, if you, if you listen to the commentary, some of the names that get dropped along the way on the Wednesday team, they're Nigel Pearson. Nigel Worthington. Um, they had a player called Roland Nielsen, who I think puts a cross in for the for the their, their first goal for David Hurst, um, Carlton Palmer, and of course Kevin Pressman, who had come back as as a um, you know coach at the Den later on in his career. Um, they they were they were not bad sides, um, and they had players that could play. And as you can see in the in the footage, they passed the ball around, and we we kind of. Um, I think we caught a little bit cold in the first half. It was a lovely goal from Hurst. It's just gone in the net as I'm playing it now. Cross in. It's a real kind of striker's instinctive goal. Um, yeah, that's what I thought when I saw it for the first time. A real a real good poaching goal, wasn't it? Yeah, and a very decent striker, David Hurst. Mm. Um, played for England a few, a few times anyway. Um, 352 appearances in his career, 124 goals. So he was a, you know, a, a well-reputed goal scorer. Um, but also, other, other, I mean, Pearson were going to manage Leicester um, and uh, Carlton Palmer. I always felt sorry that Carlton Palmer used to be uh, treated as something of a joke. So I thought it was a decent player and he played for England as well. Um, but no, they, they forced themselves two goals. There's a nice finish from Hurst coasting down the middle there. Um, and I think they miss a the chance after that, uh, Ryan, don't they? There's another chance. They hit the crossbar and, and well, 
Another so, chance goes close before half-time. Brannigan makes a save, and then, yeah, they hit the bar with the free kick and the rebound. I don't know who it is trying to get it in, but the rebound off the free kick off the bar could have been turned in. But, I mean, Pressman, I think, before Millwall at goal one, Pressman makes about three or four really, really good saves. I think they mentioned in the video, or if it's the next one, he was under-21's keeper at the time. Or Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We're looking at a young Kevin Pressman, much slimmer than he is these days. But, um, <laughs> He, he something the one where uh, a wayward shot and it's pulled back in. I think it's Allen from about the six-yard box. I think early in the second half, and he tries to score, and Pressman tips over the bar. So, like you say, yeah, it's a fantastic save, isn't it? Really, is a top draw save there. Yeah, some really good quality on the pitch. And like you say, not not just in terms of the caliber of player and what they kind of come on to do, but on the pitch on the day, the passing and the the attempts and the keepers at either end. You know, for for a game that's got six goals, you wouldn't expect the goalkeepers to be having such good games, really. No, it was an open game. I think probably we were a better team going forwards than we were in defence at this at this point. I, th- I mean, well, I've got Wooden McCleary, who were rock solid in Division 1, but I think there was certainly a, an open feel. I think Rioch's philosophy was that you, you played the ball around rather than got it forward early. Um, there it is. They just hit the crossbar um, from a free kick from outside the box there. So we, we possibly could have been, should have been 3-0 down at half-time. Um, the, the pitch is interesting. I don't know if you picked up on that, Ron. It's 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 got a lot of divots and um, it's got a scuffed kind of look to it, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's just the camera I might be doing it a disservice, but it's not looking too far off the den just before football was cancelled. So, uh, so, you know, it's it's not there's on it. It's a, a classic '90s pitch. Actually, I think it's better than what '90s pitches would go by. It's uh, plenty of green, it? not too many bobbles going around, but. Uh, it's it's interesting that you know the stands like the old den. I very very like I said, very rarely see it from the from the inside on highlights of the end and things. But yeah, you know, see that closeness it's got to the pitch. The terraces behind it is, you know, it's always a shame that I never got to go. Um, yeah, it, just, it does look like football. The crowd, the noise really kind of struck me in the in the video. I know, I know, don't know how how kind of high the levels are brought up or whatever, but for, what was it, about 13,000 there, and they, it's a lot of noise, a lot of noise, and um, it comes across quite well in the video. I like the way the commentator, sorry, I like the way the commentator when Millwall score go, uh, jubilant as ever are the Millwall fans. <laughs> you think jubilant's a good word? I mean, this was a big crowd by Cold Blow Lane standards. Um, you know, you've got to say 12, nearly 13,000 in the old den was a big crowd. Um and yeah, I mean the noise was was um, you know it was it was, had its own quality to it. I think you know we we we, we still have it, and I, I think sometimes you know men, gentlemen of a certain vintage like myself and others tend to elevate this place as being a kind of mystical repository of 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 a, of a lost um, world, you know. And and it the, the new den, the Col- the, the Zampa Road is a a fantastic theatre of football, and on its day, in my opinion matches anything Coblo Lane could generate and I, I, I you know certainly um because this was our this was our arena Coblo Lane had it had you know you approached it through railway arches and, and round the back of jagged glass fences and walls and you know um I once saw a dead rat laying in Coblo Lane itself as you go into the football you know it, it had this kind of Dickensian um misty quality of you know of Jack the Ripper kind of idea you know so it has, it does have this certain quality to it, but we 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 still got a touch of it. You still, I'm not particularly struck by the the you know the verdant fields of um, South Bermondsey when you walk along Zampa Road, are you? I mean, it still looks and feels like a 
a light industrial area that's seen better days and that's very much Millwall that's I, I what we are I think the the, the the big shame with the the new den and it's not really a shame with the new den it's a shame with kind of all football stadium at the moment you know especially above certain level is the, the lack of terracing the fact that it has to be all seater you know yeah and there's reasons for bringing that in at the time when it was but I think you know I've been to quite a lot of games at lower league um lower league sides like extra when I was at university there I went to Torquay quite a lot um, when I was there as well, I was at I go to. So, like, the atmospheres in places that have terracing uh, are good and it's different. And I think if Millwall now had terracing, the, the, like you say, the, the acoustics are great, the noise levels are great, the uh, the closeness to the pitch, like, yeah. we have that intimidation factor still. Like, opposition players have spoken about that. I yeah. think the terracing makes all the difference. I think when people are on their feet and the crowd is swaying and, you know, it's physically moving, you know, that's when it becomes that next level. And like you say, I think you can look back with a bit of misty-eyed, uh, rose-tinted glasses at things in the past and think they're better than they were. And not to say that that is the case necessarily with the, the old end, but, you know, I think it's a shame for the new end that it is all-seater. Yeah, but, and I, I, don't, I don't think realistically they're going to change that, to be honest. I think that will be the way it is and remains. I know Manchester United have got permission to save, uh, save standing now. It may happen. I've never detected any great enthusiasm from the club for that, which is a shame because I think it would add to the, you know, on the flatter days, it would add, certainly add something to the, to the ground. Um, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. I, I think I think terracing would help if we got relegated um, with those Johnston paint trophy games. You know, really <laughs> ele- elevating the atmosphere. Of Listen, those. They, the, the lowest attendance in Mill history was 900 people for uh, the equivalent of a Johnston paint trophy in at Coldblow Lane. So um, you know, anyone that says it was better in the old days is generally either weren't there really, or they, they're, they're applying too much rose tint to it. Great finish for the, the opening goal for Mill from Jimmy Carter. Um, close range finish from a, a head back across the face of the goal. And that gave us a 2-1 foothold in the game, 58 minutes. And then I think Teddy um, equalises shortly afterwards, Ryan, I believe, six, two minutes. It's um, it's a, Sh- a Sheringham equaliser. I'm just winding this forward to see if I can see it now. All over the top, there it is. And it, it falls back into the path of Teddy, who actually almost threads it through the eye of the needle for a, a couple of legs to get it into the, the one spot that wasn't covered by anyone for two each. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, th- yeah. the thing that, I, I mean, it's, it's quite interesting. Obviously, that, like the Sheringham is, well, we, we spoke before, Nick, about players like Steve Morrison and all these players who, who can adapt their game. And Sheringham's always been the type who was always the creator, you know, during during like the Euro 96 and like when he played for Spurs with Klinsman, those type of players, he was always the creator. But like in, in an era where shirt numbers and kit numbers meant something, it, it felt a bit weird, you know, in hindsight, seeing Sheridan with a nine on his back where he spent the rest of his career as a 10, you know? Yeah, I, I always, you know, I mean, Sheringham, the early years of Sheringham, um, it was criticised a lot and you can imagine what kind of criticism I'm talking about for being lazy you know he was felt to be a, a flash player the one that went for the uh, the uh, the glory goal rather than the, the percentage goal that kind of thing but he, I mean he matured he was a linchpin in the promotion season um, and then the first division and and as you know Cascarino moved on we, we spoke to Cascarino a couple of weeks ago and he moved on um, and this season here we've been relegated back to division two and I, you know, I still find it quite amazing. In truth, Teddy Sheringham stayed with us for that that season. The club maybe didn't want to lose him, but he stayed with us. I think this was the season he scored thirty-seven goals, was it? Thirty-eight goals in the season. Um, 
he was an absolutely immense player. I mean, you know, um, even the, the third goal, I think, is he, he pulled wide. He's, 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 he's a, you know, he's a striker, he's a centre forward, but he's always willing to pull out to the right side or the left side and put the ball in for somebody else to run onto. He had that kind of vision and creative quality you could see would flower with the likes of Manchester United, Tottenham later on in his career. I mean, he would, you know, feature in the uh, the Euro 96 for England and then, you know, go on to greater things, win the European Cup. But I always felt he had, you could see the quality of Teddy showing him. And this, this footage actually shows it if you if you look hard enough for it. Because I think he creates the um, the 3-2, uh, the Malcolm Allen goal, actually, wasn't it? The ball in from the, the right side, I believe. Yeah, he, well, he just puts one wide just a bit before, I think, um... I don't know if it's Alan who puts him through and he puts one from yeah, the kind right. of like right into the box and he, he puts one just about just wide. But it's an odd one because obviously Sharon was obviously um, after my or before my time sorry, as a middle man, before mm. my age. So I can only kind of go off numbers and what people say about him. And I know he's a divisive figure now down the dead, despite being, you know, his record speaks for itself. And it is it's an odd one because you think of all the players of, who've played for Millwall, he's probably, you know, how many middle players have or who especially from the um such a young age from like the, through the ranks and things who who've come through and you know won european cups played for england at the euros and you know it's it's, it's an odd one that mill's relationship um mill fans relationship with him is mixed at best you know for he should be a player that the club takes immense pride in you would imagine from the outside um, looking in I, in my opinion and I'm, you know i'd be interested to know what listeners think out there because i think anyone that were that were attended the den during the promotion and the first division days and then the 1990-91 season which is the one we're looking at he's not a divisive figure at all um he he for me he remains the best player i've ever seen in the Millwall shirt um it, it becomes di- divisive i think for those that didn't see him play for Millwall. maybe they're ones that have known him as a um a late period um you know he was playing, was he playing for west ham he played for didn't yeah. he? he went on he went around a few teams in the end yeah He's stringing out his career. And he'd always say he supported him as a, as a kid, stuff like that. And people get very, um, you know, emotive over that. I, I always, always, always come back to Division 1, promotion Division 1 and this season. And he could say he supported um, whoever you like, for, as far as I'm concerned. Because yeah. if if you do this for Millwall, then you're a Millwall legend in the true sense of the word. Um, yeah. it was, it's actually the fourth goal he pulls wide right and, and puts the ball in. It's Alex Ray that gets the, the 4-2 on, on the 90th minute to, yeah. to seal the win. Um, I mean, Malcolm Allen's goal, the third goal, is absolutely phenomenal, really. That yeah. would be on yeah. the highlights yeah. reels. He well, picks it up from the left. He does a little drag in through the defender's legs. You know, nutmegs the defender who's covering with a little drag, a little feint, and then puts it through Pressman's legs as well for the yeah. finish. You know, it's that, there's been those little bits. There's a few. I mean, he missed probably two or three chances before, or not missed, but um, Pressman pulled off some really good saves for them. And I mean, it just shocked me. It really stood out. It was like, I don't think I'd ever heard of Malcolm Allen before. And it was just insane how good he seemed. He seemed like a genuinely silky, skillful player who's pulling out tricks and. The thing, the thing is as well, if you look at Sheringham's with, with his goal, I'm not sure if you heard it with the commentator, but they go, oh, that's his 10th of the season. And you think, well, you know, this game was like, well, I believe it was October, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, this game was yeah, yeah. Time. And yet you think 10, 10 goals for a set. He's already got 10 by October. And then well, when Alex Ray right. scores his header, it's, oh, that's his sixth goal. You think a centre midfielder, midfielder or an attacking midfielder getting getting six goals by, by October is a ridiculous stat. 
I mean, this was the season, I think, we, we, we finished up in the playoffs this season, I believe, um, where we went out to, to Brighton in the playoffs, which is a bit of a, um, a gutty way for it to finish. But, yeah, I mean, 38 goals, I think, in a season is, is at any level is speaks volumes for the striker. Um, so this was, this was Mill 4, uh, Sheffield Wednesday 2, 27th of October 1990. Um, a great day. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You are listening to Achten Um But we're going to match... That now, chaps. We're going to move along to uh, early 1991, um, an FA Cup fourth round between, again, Mill and Sheffield Wednesday. And this one finishes a 4-4 draw. Um, and it's been a long while since I've looked at this. Um, I was there this day. And it's been a long while since I was, I've was i seen it or thought about this game. But um, it was a much more chaotic game in a funny way, wasn't it? I mean, it, even the opening goal was, I think, inside the first minute. And that was Paul Stevenson. Mad scramble. Scramble. To um, say the least. And it falls to him, and then you see the the manic um, reaction on the, that's the Alderton Road terracing behind, and it's you know you just get a sense of the um, the mania that then could produce when um, you know madcap things happen there. Um, so yeah, one minute in, and we're a goal up through Paul Stevenson, um, who was a a great player. He was he his his main claim to fame was that he scored the goal at Anfield when we went to uh, play Liverpool in the first division season. Um, we went there and went a goal up and finished drawing one each by the end. But it was a huge performance. Um, and Paul Stevenson was a very, very talented winger. I think he came from Newcastle. And I think he went back in the end to, to, to Hartlepool. I think he finished up playing for Hartlepool at some point. May even have played against us in one of the cup games. I think we got beat up at Hartlepool in one, one season's FA Cup. But he was a great, great winger, Paul Stevenson. And again, a little bit like Malcolm Allen, Ryan, uh, you know, the kind of name you don't really hear very often anymore, you know, but the, he, he, he played a big part in our first division season. It's interesting, like the, the, the names that you look back, the ones that do stay in uh, in kind of middle memory. I mean, obviously it depends on how different people kind of come across different names. But like I said, I, a lot of the names in this team I do recognise and pick out. It's odd the ones that do pass you by, like Stevenson, yeah, would be one that I wouldn't have come to mind. But then there's plenty others in this team who I'd at least recognise, you know? Yeah, absolutely. This game is a lot more mad 
end to end. I mean, this is just um, a goals a goals fest. It's about one minute twenty five, listeners. And if you want to go onto YouTube, and as I say, I will stick the the link on. This this has just come from one of those um, kind of end of season um, goal videos you used to get. Do you remember those, Michael? You used to get that the. Uh, used to go and buy them from the club shop, Mill goal, Mills Goals for the season. As, as an expert of club shop memorabilia, Nick. <laughs> That's what I'm asking. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I do. I do remember those. But I'll tell you what, I'm not, I'm not sure about you, Nick. And this, this, again, this is uh, aimed at the millennial of Ryan and that millennial age. But <laughs> a lot of people say about the, um, the magic of the FA Cup and all this. But I'm not sure the way it's presented, but it, the thing that struck me when this first like video started was it, it really is a beautiful trophy, isn't it? And and it meant so much in those late 80s and early 90s, you know? It really, really was. And it, it, it struck me like that, though, it felt like a real like FA Cup tie, like the, the cliched one. Yeah. Well, this is 1991. Um, this will be the last season, I believe, maybe one more season of the old football league as it was so the premier league i believe started in 1992 to 3 so that's when the premier league starts to take its grip on on um big time football which it's never ever lost so this was like a it's a glimpse into a different time um and yeah i mean the the, the decline of the fa cup probably begins from here i was i think there was one season where manchester united didn't play in it i think that was towards the end of the 90s and so that, that was also, uh... Interested in ruining a few people's days along the way. 
yeah, yeah precisely. Yeah, we like we like upsetting yeah. the apple cart. We like knocking out the big teams, and everyone does. But Mill, I think, as Mill as a club, we're aware that we're probably not going to win the FA Cup. But if we can knock out a few Premier League teams who think they're better than us. We'll more than happily do that. I mean, the the the, the cup tie of all time is obviously the, the win over Leicester a couple of years ago, which what you just said there, Ryan, I mean, it almost defines it, it's everything, isn't it? It's, it's the ultimate underdog versus big club situation. You are listening to Achten Millwall. Let's just read out the, the team for this, this game, Mill 4, Sheffield Wednesday 4, 26th of January 1991. It's like change from the previous game. We've got Brian Hall in goal now, Keith Stevens, Ian Dawes, Gary Waddock, um, who's a divisive player. You want divisive players. Gary Waddock, I never, some people liked him, I never liked him, but there we are, a long while ago now. Steve Wood, Alan McCleary, Paul Stevenson, John Goodman, great player, fast, speedy, nippy forward, John Goodman, um, Teddy Sheringham, Alex Ray, who you see more in this, this game than I think the previous footage, Kevin O'Callaghan, and then on the subs benches, John McLash and and, and uh, Malcolm Allen. Um, the equalising goal, chaps, for Alex Ray. I mean, I don't know if any of you have seen Alex Ray in his in his pomp. He was a fantastic midfielder, oh, phenomenal player, really, really good player. Like, I liked Alex Ray a lot growing up. He was a real, real. He was one of those exciting players that when when you're a young kid around 10, 11 years old, you always like watching him. I thought he was a great player. Sorry to cut you off, Nick. No, no, no. I mean, you, you, you said it, and I was interested to hear your, hear your viewpoint because Alex Ray, for me, a bit like Jimmy Carter and and Paul Ifill, and um, back in the seventies, the likes of Trevor Lee and 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 and, and Gordon Hill and, and players like that are players that you sit up when they get the ball. Um, you, you sit, you lean. What they're going to do? You don't know what they're going to do. Sometimes they're not aware what they're going to do. They're going to do something. And Alex Ray was a he was brave. He was hard tackling. He was creative, which is always a quality. Um, and I go back to Malcolm Allen um, that you've mentioned, Ryan, who was brave, industrious, strong, and creative. And that's always a quality that I think sometimes it it, it doesn't arrive very often at, at Millwall, but when it does, and Alex Ray's a great example, produces really, you know, almost the epitome of a Millwall midfielder. He was a wonderful, wonderful player. And I've just watched him equalising, bravely gone flying into a, a, a knockdown, I think, from the goalkeeper bats it down and he, he kind of comes in to make it two each just before the half-time break. Um, so we go 3-2 down into the second half and once again, it's Teddy to, you know, um, we thought at the time, Put us back into it, three eight. I mean, as we said a few times, a, a great, a great striker, but we managed to we contrive to concede. I think it's, that's Viv Anderson um, late on 85 minutes from the corner. I believe it's Viv Anderson heads in close. And I must admit, at the time, I thought the game was lost at this point. Three four down with five minutes to go. Viv Anderson's an interesting character. I don't know if um, you know if if if, um, if either of you are aware of his place in football history. He was the first black player to um, play for England. Um, yes, very, very, yeah, very influential player. Um, a very good player. A very, good player. And very, very, very highly spoke of as well. Yeah, I mm. mean, obviously a bit, a bit before my time, but you know, obviously looking back on articles and I, but hasn't he got an MBE or an ODE or something like that? I or, believe, I believe so. He's, he's got, got an honour, isn't he? Um, the, uh, MBE, he's MBE. Yeah. MBE. Um, yeah, and. and I mean, in those days, um, I mean, obviously there was, uh, I believe there may have been like still a few tensions. So for him to really break into the first team or the England team was a real was a real statement. So yeah, it was, it was good to see him. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he came from the same era as the likes of Cyril Regis, our old Trevor Lee and Phil Walken. I think the role of Millwall in 
you know, is, is often overlooked because there's an easy, you know, it's an easy stereotype that many, many people make about Mill Football Club. But we were at the forefront of bringing in black players in the shape of Trevor Lee and Phil Walker. And it was at the same era as Viv Anderson and uh, Laurie Cunningham, um, Cyril Regis um, and, and, and Des Walker, I think, was around about this time as well. Um, and the thing to say with Viv Anderson, he's probably at the back end of his of his time as an England player at this at this point. But um, he was there on merit. He's a bloody good player. Um, but he scored the fourth goal for Sheffield Wednesday in the 85th minute, which was a, uh, a left-sided corner and headed in from close range. And some might have felt that that was the end of the end of the story, but it wasn't because there was a, a late, late, late equaliser from uh, Mr. Ray inside the six-yard box. No, it's just gone in the net as I was talking to you there, and it made it four each. Um, yeah. Wonderful, it's a much wonderful more frantic game. game than the first. Much more frantic. I wanted, I wanted to know as well. Actually, was interesting because obviously Sheffield Wednesday are a, a, a big kind of traditional English club. I mean, for me, I always find it interesting that you know when you talk about the big clubs in terms of like so Forest obviously are a big English club historically but for me not so much because kind of their stature and their success and their pomp was before I was alive when we would play Sheffield Wednesday in these sort of games at this sort of time how big an occasion was it was it looking your lips like a big club coming to coming to the den and you know was it a bit of a scalp or was it just kind of another fixture? it was another second division game in in, in all truth um i mean the the difference with say forest at this time was forest were managed by brian clough who's a yeah rightly a legend in the game and stands up in modern era i think as a major major influence they'd not long won the european cup in 1980 they've been in the first division until um, well, I think they're in, into the 90s. I think they were they, they they were a first division side. They were they were provably a European first division level side. You know, one of the one of the big names of the game. I think Sheffield Wednesday's heyday had been in the in the in the uh, the kind of 1950s and to some extent, I think, in the early 60s. But they hadn't been a major club for some time. So although Hillsborough was a big ground and it was a semi-final venue, FA Cup semi-final venue, I don't think there was anything particularly in in a trip to, you know, a, a dip from Sheffield Wednesday other than the usual, uh, the Millwall quality of hating everybody that comes to the den and wanting to beat them, you know. <laughs> so that note, Nick, I mean, I, remember, I always remember growing up and um, ironically, you, like you were saying about the magic of the cup and everything like that, um, and I was a bit more sort of unpredictable in those times. This season, even though this was an FA Cup game, when I looked back on it, this season, Sheffield Wednesday, as the second division club, won the League Cup against Man United at Wembley. Yeah, you used to get second. I mean, I mean, hard to say it out loud, but West Ham won the FA Cup as a second division side um, against Arsenal. It, it, it would happen. Um, although big clubs were big back then, and you know, top players still played for the Manchester Uniteds and the Liverpools and the Arsenals, um, it, the, the the game has become so distorted. It's 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 quite incredible. You can't really put into words how far apart now teams are in terms of wealth. You know, it's just it's beyond description. Back then, there was still an outside chance that um, you know, uh, I think Southampton beat Manchester United. I believe they were second division as well in the FA Cup in the in the um, 1970s. So it was still possible, you know. In general, a first division side would always expect to beat a second division side, but upsets were not impossible, um, and in big game situations too, which was which was interesting. It's, um, um, it's 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 quite funny as well, like because this was a busy um, busy couple of years for Sheffield Wednesday. Again, going back to it, I remember 
it was only a couple of years later that they played Arsenal in sort of consecutive cup finals in the same season, didn't they? They played them in the League Cup yeah, final. They in the yeah, cup they final. played. I'm looking at that now. Yeah, they played. They they lost to Arsenal in the FA Cup final in ninety two ninety three after a replay. In this game, Trevor Francis was playing for Sheffield Wednesday as well. Um, and again, I think this was prior to him going to Italy, but he was a big name in his own right. I think he went on to Sampdoria because yeah, because Gascoigne would have gone to Lazio, I think, yeah. in in uh, 91, 92. So there was a bit of an exodus for players to go and get some experience playing abroad. But it was, there was still a touch of the exotic about any any team that had foreign players playing for them. Um, we 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 didn't really. We had Casey Keller, who was American, um, and he. We he still would... don't, Nick. To be honest. <laughs> We don't have many walking through the doors, do we? No, we, 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 more than you think, but we, you're right. I mean, in general, um, in general, no, but we, 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 we do get it right sometimes. Uh, and Keller, in yeah, actual fact, Ru- I think it was those Russians put us off of them. Don't really. mention the Russians. I think they might have put, put the club off of them for a while. The Russians, I'm going I'm to do a whole show on the Russians one day because I think they, they, they deserve it. Um, there are, there are. Wonderful couple of characters, really. I mean, it's a long while ago now, but it's, they they still hurt. Um, but there we are. The just to close out on the on the four four draw there. That's uh, Mill four Wednesday four FA Cup fourth round, twenty sixth of Jan nineteen ninety one. We would range you for a dramatic game. We'd lose a far less dramatic replay a couple of days later, two nil because the FA Cup games then were decided just a few days later. The replay would be in the um, in the week following the Saturday game, whereas now you have to have 10 days, I think. We got beat up there 2-0, so that was the end of the cup run. Um, but two wonderful choices. Thank you to Fleur for choosing those two games. It's wonderful to look back at it um, on the YouTube. It's, it's a great thing to bring back memories, um, especially when you were there. It's, it's, it's quite odd. This will come to you, Ryan, one day. You'll look back at games that seem like yesterday and think, oh, Jesus, that was 30 years ago. You know, it, it, it's quite a weird thing because you can remember the moments and yeah. see it after all this time. Uh, the equalisers going in, the Alex Ray goals from close and all that. It's, it's, it's an odd thing. Before we move on to Notts County, yeah. can we have an honourable mention to the uh, Sheffield Wednesday game in the mid-2000s where there was the goal that weren't given after celebrating then Sheffield Wednesday run to the other end and scored and relegated us? Oh, blimey. That was in the 2005... <laughs> Six relegation yeah. season. Uh, they scored. Did we have a goal, a goal disallowed or something like that? No, something... no, it was a corner coming from. Was you there, Brian? Oh, you might be. No, was you there? Really this is when we were graced with players such as uh, Barry Powell, who to this day is. Um, <laughs> um, I, I can always uh, hear my uncle's words ringing in my ear. They should have given Barry Powell a chance. Um, <laughs> but I, I, rem- I always remember, and I think it was on the front of the Lions draws, they actually had the photo of the uh, Goldmouth action, but I believe it was Tony Craig. He, he curled a corner in, it went in. We went off to celebrate because I think the referee put that's his arm it. up for the foul, that's but we thought it was a goal kick. Mr. Yeah, yeah, Byer yeah. for now. I, I think it was Mr. Byer for now that condemned us to relegation because he put on let them come. We all celebrated. And then while we were celebrating, they run down the other end and scored. That was it. Yeah, we went ahead. That was it. That was the goal that was disallowed. And they've gone down and scored, as you say. And the referee was, um, it wasn't Kevin Friend. It was another one. I forget his name now. But no, that was a shocking, shocking occasion. You, you've reopened deep psychological wounds by mentioning that game. I'd forgotten about that. And now it's all come back to me. 
Um, but yeah, that's thanks, that's, Fleur. That, thanks, Fleur. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move along. We're going to close our little piece today, listeners, with a wonderful game. I'd, I'd actually forgotten this. I, I was looking for a third game because, as Fleur suggested, the um, the two Wednesday games, and I thought, well, we'll, we'll do three just to, to make a make a, a, a neat show. So I've chosen this one. This is my choice. Mill six. Notts County won in the old Division One second tier in 19th of September 1992. Um, this is still at Coldblow Lane, listeners. By now, um, this was the last season of Coldblow Lane. We were to move out in the nine, at the end of 92-93 uh, season. Um, so at this point, Zampa Road would have been in construction. Um, I remember it being built. I used to live near uh, the ground at that point and just walk around and look at it and gawp at it and wonder at it because it was a, a wondrous thing for us to be building a brand new stadium, um, unheard of at the time. And also we're now under the management of Mick McCarthy uh, rather than Bruce Riock, the previous two games of the um, under Sergeant Major Riock. Um, Mick McCarthy, the Brutus, had stabbed him in the back and taken over from him in the Players' Rebellion, um, and they'd installed the Mick McCarthy. Mick McCarthy's an odd, an odd man. And I, I, how does he sit in the pantheon of modern-day management for you, Ryan, Mick McCarthy? I, I always I always think he's overrated, personally. I, he's not a great manager. He's all right. He did OK at Wolves. I mean, they ended up getting relegated after he got sacked. He did OK there. Um, he did an OK job. at like He's never set the world alight, you know. He's quite a steady no. pair of hands. I mean, Ipswich fans obviously detest him, but they got relegated as soon as they sacked him. So, like you know, he clearly was doing a job there in terms of, Keeping things together, he's he's interesting. Running. He's he's not less. He's uh, compared to his like contemporaries, you know, players playing at the same um, time as him. I don't think he's as much as a, as a footballing dinosaur, you know, as some, you know, like how Steve Bruce might be ridiculed now at, at Newcastle. I don't think he's in that sort of category. But he's not really like a football philosopher, you know. He's I think he's been quietly pushed aside from Ireland. Now they they saw his contract out despite the Euros being postponed. So he's gone from there now. And I I imagine that will probably be it for Mick McCarthy in terms of management. I can't see him coming back into a club because he'd probably have to go back to League One or League Two level. I can't see a Championship side bringing him in. So no, you know, maybe with his CV he'd be a bit insulted by that, but. I can't see him coming back in the game. And this this YouTube footage is of a wonderful win, six nil win, over. I think they were struggling Notts County, so I think they were on the slide at this time. The Notts County in the past have been a big club. They've been a first division side in the uh, in the eighties, I believe. Um, but they're on the slide at this point, and it shows um, in this game really because they, their defence was quite exposed. But this is probably peak Mick McCarthy and it was a bit like um, I always imagined that he was managing Bruce Rioch's squad and and if you could somehow merge Mick McCarthy in with Bruce Rioch you might have produced a balanced kind of manager. There's another game online which we might do another day where we beat uh, Brentford 6-1 in front of the cameras um, with some of the I mean I, I was there that day some of the most exhilarating football I've ever seen a middle side play at a diamond formation um, but this, this gives you a, a good taste of it um, how good it was with Mick McCarthy managing somebody else's squad, really. Um, some great Millwall names in the team, though, Mike. Yeah, yeah, still, still, arguably. I mean, I know you had David Ford on recently, who's a who was a fantastic keeper for us, but I'll still say probably Casey Keller's the best goalkeeper I, I've I've seen at Millwall. 
I, yeah. I thought he was very, very good. Um, and um, and there was a very slight tear shed when he um, left to go to Leicester City in the mid nineties. After oh, he was yeah. a phenomenal goalkeeper for us, really, really good. The, this would be the Casey Keller still possessed of a rock star mullet at this point. He hadn't lost his hair by the, at this point in his footballing career, and he would um, often give a single fist kind of, um, you know, kind of fist salute to the den um, when he achieved another shutout, as he would call it. This would be a shutout for Casey. No goals conceded in in American sports parlance. Great I mean, looking at West that side, as you say, though, you know, you've got Kenny Cunningham there. What a player he was! Absolutely. He, 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 Ian, Ian Dawes, Ian Dawes, who we've mentioned before. And and the way I mean the commentator mentions it when like halfway through the halfway through the clip like just what well, I think he says something doesn't he like what a game he's ab- what game he's having and mm-hmm. he, he, I mean the way the way he bums up um, I mean one, one of the goals he makes it again this goes back to he he was ahead of his time he he wouldn't look out of place now in today's game the way he yeah. bums up and down the line and gets crosses in definitely. Definitely agree with you there, Michael. Like it's just a couple of the times you see, like you say, you see him just pushing forward. It's, it does seem like the sort of player we'd love to have now. And it's uh, you know, the chat you had with him the other day, Nick, was obviously really good, and you, yeah. you obviously spoke your fondness for him. And it, it shows really that, and it's it's a position that we've struggled to kind of fill since. It, it you know, he, he does stand out as someone who uh, was was a, a particular quality in that position. Right, right-footed left back. Um, which you ne- I never I never knew until quite recently. Um, oh, in fact, when I spoke to him the other day, you, you know, he said he could play with either foot, but he was right-footed naturally. But um, he, he built a career out of being on the left side, but <laughs> playing with you know a right-footed left back. But um, wonderful, wonderful player, um, a most modest man. I mean, uh, it was interesting speaking to him because you don't know really before you do an interview, you don't really know what the person's going to be like and you hope they're going to be nice and pleasant, but you don't really know, you know, until you get on the phone and speak to them. But what a wonderful, um, modest man. For you can this, this footage is great, listeners, if you want to check this out to show you the talent that was Ian Dawes because um, it, he's, he's got a, almost a pretty free run down the left side in this game. The, the, the county defence isn't really up to par. And... You know, I, I don't know about you, chaps. It's one of the real standout um, things from this this footage is how good Ian Dawes was coming down that left side. Mm, well, I, I think one thing that stands out for me again, and I mentioned the first one, is uh, Alan. The two goals he get again uh, really, really surprised me how good he is. The first one he takes, I think it's Dawes who brings it up the pitch, and he yeah. kind of controls it around the defender and then opens up his body and curls it into the bottom corner. Yeah, the, do, the do you know what? Fun, yeah, funny thing you say now, I've got my notes, sorry to cut you off there, Ryan, I, oh, I, I've just uh, interjected. I've even wrote here in my notes, Malcolm Allen opens body beautifully. I mean, that's if, if, that, if, that was, if that's anyone in the top four or top five these days, that, that'd be shown multiple that's times. Oh, the quality finish. And it, even his second, which was Mill's fifth, where he gets it, crossing from the left and he controls it with his right around the defender so his first touch takes it with the ball on the right side defender he runs around the left and finishes with his left foot they're just two exquisite goals really like so after watching the uh, the highlights from the Wednesday game as well I just couldn't believe how how good he looked yeah really. no, brilliant 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 but it's, it's interesting to look at this stuff because it reminds you and it refreshes your mind your memory as to how good these players were. I'm going to just wind back slightly on the same theme, though. Opening goal scored by John Goodman, um, which is just a, a straightforward finish inside the, the six-yard box. But John Goodman, very interesting um, player. I believe he's a fitness coach now, and I think he's involved with the club still in a, a kind of a contractual fitness coach kind of way, a dietitian. 
and so on. But John Goodman was signed, a bit like Neil Harris was signed from non-league. John Goodman, I think, came in from Bromley for yeah. a pal- paltry sum. Uh, it might have been 30000 but I've, I've checked that. Very fast player. John Goodman, very quick, very quick-paced um, striker. Known as Elvis um, because of his, his hairstyle and his dark, swarthy, dark good looks um, with a swept back hair. Allegedly as well, Nick. Um, allegedly. You, you, you may have, have heard this as well in, in, in the terraces and the stands, but wasn't there, a, um, wasn't there a rumour that when he was told he was going to Wimbledon, he got a bit teary because he didn't want to go? Well, not didn't want to go, but he was enjoying himself at Millwall a lot because he went about the same time think- as Ben Thatcher, didn't he? Yeah, we were broke. Um, I think we had to sell Kenny Cunningham. Uh, Goodman went and 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 Thatcher, I believe. Um, I think it was in the seasons after the move to the new stadium when the club was nearly bankrupted and we were kind of heading down the road towards um, administration, having lashed out some wild spending to get there, you know, on, on various Russians and Scotsmen and alcoholics and all the rest of it along the route to get there. But, um, yeah, I think that we, we had to have um what they call it a fire sale of, of, of talent to to keep the club going and uh i think goodman wanted to leave um it was very well he remains very well thought of he went to wimbledon um in their their premier league days i believe um and he was a great player and a, a good opening goal um and then as you said already uh chaps great run from ian Dawes to find malcolm allen who kind of shimmies past the what little central defence there is for Notts County in this game. And it is, it is a fairly ramshackle-looking county side. But one player I do want to uh, take both towards is a, a player called Phil Barber, who then gets the third and fourth goals. This was probably um, Phil Barber's heyday, really, because he was a he used to get some horrendous abuse from <laughs> Phil Barber, it'd come from Palace. Um, we, we used to have a thing for signing Palace players, and I, I didn't mind Phil Barber. And he, he kind of stumbles through the central defence and slots away. Quite a nice finish for the third goal. Um, but he used to he used to generate great antagonism on the halfway line, and you can picture some of the abuse that, that would come his way for being a, a slightly lightweight ex-Palace. Um, utility midfielder of no great distinction, whereas Alex Ray would look like he could hold his own in, the, in an old Kent Road brawl. Barber looked like he would, um, you know, would, would be more at home in the art class or something. You know, um, I, I didn't mind him; I quite liked him, but he used to generate some some stick. But this was this was one of the best performances I think from Phil Barber um, I, that I remember seeing. And he used to have his own chant. I don't know if you know the the Phil Barber chant, Michael. Would you remember no, this? No, please, please, please entertain me and the listeners and Ryan. Go for and it. And Ryan. On three. Ooh, One, ooh, two, three. Ooh, ah, Phil Barber. Ooh, ah, Phil Barber. <laughs> we'll cut that bit out. No, no, no. I'm leaving. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll go this, is, this, this is historical content. One day I'll, I'll be gone from this planet Earth, and I'll be, I'll be around. But these these podcasts will live on behind me. They, this is my this is my legacy for research. Here, here, can you imagine on the tombstone? Here lies Nick Hart. Ooh, Hart, Phil Barber. Ooh, Hart, in thousands of years' time, they'll dig up these podcasts and they'll say, what was this thing called Millwall? And who was this Phil Barber? And they'll <laughs> find this episode and they'll know. 55 minutes and 58 minutes, Phil Barber. Ooh, ah. Slots us uh, three goals and four nil in, in, in the space of a couple of minutes. Um, game's over for, for, for Notts County. Just 6,600 in the den to watch this. There's another goal for Phil Barber. Just gone in. 
Um, one, one notable thing from the game I do want to point out is the uh, the spectacular kit. Really big fan of the kit we're wearing. You look so oh, good. Oh, the yeah. kit was gorgeous. Lovely kit. Lovely. That was one of my first. Um, that was one of my first Millwall kits. That was. I absolutely loved that kit. Really, really nice. I've been seeing, you know, I think with people with time on their hands, I've been seeing a few concepts of future mill kits going around Twitter. And I think a lot of people were leaning towards getting the old, the lighter blue back away from the Dundee blue that we've had the last few years. I think a few people are kind of watching back for all these nostalgia packages you're putting out, Nick. And I think they're getting a bit teary Nostalgic for the royal the blue. Royal yeah. blue. It'd be interesting to see if the club would bring it back. I think that might be a bit of a popular move because we did have some really the Captain Morgan ones, the South London press kits, the uh, Lewisham Council ones. We had some really iconic kits in that colour. You know, we did. This was a this was a Buxer made kit. Um, although it just reminds me of your club shop update, Michael, because I do remember that at the start of this season, by this game, was this is September the nineteenth, so we're now in white shorts which I think worked quite well. But I, th- I can't remember if we had dark blue, we had blue shorts to go with it as well. Um, yeah, which, um, we did. I, I think that's that's because Buxer hadn't supplied them. We had to take the field today. It was, it, it, we, we, we changed short colours. So it was a blue to white or white to blue. I can't well, remember which way I you think had, it was. It was white to blue the, on, the, on the historical kits I'm looking at online. It's white that's, start and then uh, blue for the late part of the season. I think that's because Buxer were taken by surprise that the football season started in August <laughs> and that we would require the kit that we, we'd signed up for. Um, but no, fantastic shirt, Fairview. Great, great badge, great kit, um, great look. I, I quite liked it with the white shorts. It was a good, good, uh, good turnout. So um, just watch the fourth goal, which was, uh, no, the fifth goal, sorry, the, the Malcolm Allen goal, Ryan, that you've mentioned already. Yeah. A great take and um, kind of deft touch to take it away from the defender. And slot it in for five they won 70 minutes. I mean, by this stage, the game was, um, you know, just how many would we get? Um, and we would get six because the sixth goal was um, a goal by Tony Dolby, um, who was a local boy. Um, and I think his family are Millwall fans, actually. The Dolbys are unknown Millwall fans. Let's read out the Millwall team this, this day. Casey Keller, Kenny Cunningham, Ian Dawes, um, Andy May. Uh, it was a kind of a... Andy May was the linchpin of the of the diamonds, um, which was McCarthy's, um, you know, genius. Um, replaced by Paul Holsgrove in the 90th minute. Colin Cooper, um, great player, came to us as a right back from Middlesbrough. Played with us for two seasons, and I believe, if memory serves, was player of the season. Great, great, great player. Well thought of still. Um, Colin Cooper is always welcome at the den. Um, He's a, a, a tremendous free kick on him. He could strike free kicks from outside the penalty area with a plum. Um, Keith Stevens, uh, Andy Roberts, Tony Dolby, Malcolm Allen, John Goodman, um, and Phil Barber. Um, great, great era. Um, an enjoyable time to watch football at the Den. It was the last season of Coldblow Lane, and we played some really beautiful football that season. It was quite a nice tribute. It was a, it was a shame, actually, the very last game at the Den was such a flop because we played some really, really nice stuff. In that season, under, under I have McCarthy. to say, I have to say as well, though I, I think we've, uh, I think we've downplayed uh, Malcolm Allen's touch leading up to that sixth goal. The way he brought that ball down was was phenomenal, wasn't it? Well, it's yeah, interesting really really listening to Ryan earlier on, um, and just seeing it myself now. You forget how good a player he was, um, and it's you know that's the beauty of YouTube um, because it, it it does bring to life these these players and, and games from the past, and it just. 
you know, it's a reminder, or it's 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 a it's a it's a history lesson that shows what what great players we we have had at various points in our history. And um, this was a wonderful day shown on the on the um, I don't know if it's shown on the big match or not. It's, it's, it's certainly got the, the, the that had a look of a kind of a end of season video. I don't know if this was a TV game. I know certainly the Brentford game's a TV game that followed with another six six one win, but I'm not sure if this one was a TV game or not. But it remains a great day, six nil. Um, I can't think of any bigger game, any bigger wins. I've never seen anything more than six. Have you seen anything more than six, Michael? I don't think we've ever scored in no, my I've, time more than six. Do you know what? I don't know about you, Nick. Um, I'm I'm used to teams maybe once a season scoring six against us, um, like we had with Rob from one year and Watford, um, and all that. But I, I can't remember last time we scored six. Definitely not. But but this no. this also goes this also sort of in a way goes back to what Ryan was saying earlier on with Sheffield Wednesday. Again, it's it's how eras change because Notts County, you know, they up until recently they 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 were quite a big team. They've obviously got that no. history of the oldest football league team in the world until they got relegated. And you know they had that historic Decent link. With, yeah. With, yeah. yeah, exactly. They had that historic link with Juventus, and now. And you know, looking at them, looking at them back then to see them in the second division or third division, what they. They weren't out of place that high up the leagues, were they? No, I mean, woefully, woefully mismanaged as a, as a club. And it's now produced a very sad situation, really, that they're in the in the National League. Um, Meadow Lane is one of the great names of English football. They're, one, they're, the, they're the oldest English football league club. No, they're not at the moment. But for me, they remain so. There's, there's some strange thing going on. I don't know if you picked this up, Ryan, that Crystal Palace are now trying to lay claim to being the... The, the oldest football league club now, but um, some spurious claim on the on the original Crystal Palace football club. There's nothing to do with them, but that's that's a typical Palace kind of move to try and lay claim to somebody else's history. And I think they should be constantly reinvent their their history and you know redesign their club as much as they like. Treat that with the contempt it deserves. Notts County are the oldest English um, football league club, and. Uh, Temporarily in the in the national league, but they will be back, I, I, I believe. Um, funnily enough, Meadow Lane is a ground I've never been to. I've never been to Meadow Lane. I've been to the city ground, Forest, um, but I've, Meadow Lane is just across the River Trent, and I've never been to that one. So it's one that I want to go to. So we need Notts County to get back into the football league, and at some point maybe we can get the Lions and County to uh, to meet again because um, they're one of the big names and. As we've said a few times, their their black and white stripes went to Juventus, and uh, you know that's if that's not power and influence, I don't know what is. You know, you 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 give your your kit colours to the one of the great names of world football. So um, yeah, big up to to Notts County. Um, big thank you to you both, chaps. I hope you enjoyed that, Ryan. Do you find that interesting? Look back at these historic images. I do like uh, the little nostalgia trips, especially like I said, the ones before I was born and things like that. It's interesting to look back at these players that the names you know but don't get to or haven't witnessed as much. So it is good to, to look back and obviously one of some old players and then uh, paints a nice picture of when people talk about things, you know. Yeah, no, no, no it's, re- it's really nice you when you say to Ryan, is it nice looking down, you know, um, looking back in history and then saying, Michael, are you happy being an old bastard remembering games you watched when you were young? <laughs> Thanks, mate. Anytime, anytime. <laughs> it's, getting, Michael, it's getting a bit late, isn't it? It should be uh, bedtime soon. <laughs> oh, <laughs> the the wife on. just made the Horlicks for me, yeah. Uh... Come on, this show to be insulted.
wonderful oh. stuff. Ryan Loftus and Michael Avery, big thank you. Thank you to Fleur Sham for su- suggesting the idea. If well, listeners want to have any, it's got, yeah, it's got to be on um, YouTube. If you want to dig out any other footage on YouTube and make a suggestion, do email us. Uh, always interested, and I'm sure I can rustle up the chaps to um, to watch it and, and talk about it afterwards. And we're, we're missing Harry at the moment, so big shout out to Harry who's engaged in war work of a, of a national level that we can't talk about so um you know well done harry um get you back on here maybe we'll do one of these shows with you soon mate thank you chaps thank you for taking time out and i think it's only remains for one of us to say bye for now what's to say bye for now bye for now Akhtang Millwall and the Real Millwall Fan Show are the number one Millwall podcast and we want to hear from you. So get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts, your views, your rants about all things Millwall. We've got email, akhtongmillwall at gmail.com All one word, akhtongmillwall at gmail.com You can get in touch with us and leave us a voicemail on 0208 144 0232 That's 0208 144 0232 leave us a voicemail no human will be involved in the receipt of your message so give us a shout tell us what you think about all things Millwall and the best messages will be read out on air Achtung Mailball deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.